Welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson. Thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. Despite several states legalizing marijuana, most U.S. banks do not service cannabis companies because marijuana remains federally illegal. On the other hand, dietary supplements are legal. But despite this, nutraceutical companies can also have a hard time finding a financial institution that will process online payments for their products. To share more on why these challenges exist, I'm joined by Drew Brazel, an account rep at TouchSuite, specializing in providing payment processing solutions and e-commerce for businesses within the nutraceutical space. Hi, Drew, and welcome to the NutraCast. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for having me on. I'm very excited to be here with you today. I'm excited to have you on because you're about to shed some light on something I knew zero about. Uh, Tell me a little bit about why dietary supplements, natural products, things that are 100% legal, face these challenges from the payments and e-commerce side of the business. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So a lot of people, much like yourself, Danielle, aren't even aware that this is an issue until they come across issues with actually processing the payments that they have for these products. So one of the biggest things is just the reputational risk associated with some of these products. Traditional financial institutions don't necessarily want to be associated with the sale of certain nutraceutical products uh, because they're considered more of a high-risk business. And some of the reasons that they're considered of higher risk is they tend to be subject to higher amounts of fraud, chargebacks, and just certain regulatory uncertainties despite their legality that have to do with the FDA, the FTC. It's an ever-changing landscape, and quite frankly, it's a lot to keep up with. And a traditional financial institution would rather just not deal with all of the updates and changes. And, and you know, every time a new term comes out and things like that, having to understand what this new term is, what the products are. And of course, there's a lot of synergies between the CBD and hemp landscape and nutraceuticals. So the crossover of those products presents even more challenges as well. Okay. So if you take, say, CBD out of the equation, I mean, is that legal for them? I mean, can they discriminate like that? At the end of the day, any type of business, whether that be a financial institution or otherwise, can conduct business with who and who they decide that they would uh, like to or not like to do business with. So I guess that would be the the most simple answer. I can't speak too far on whether that's the right thing to do or not, but certainly that's that's how they tend to conduct business with certain financial institutions. At the end of the day, they are the ones that will hold any risk associated with the business. So it's up to them of who they see fit, if you will. Okay. There's definitely a few companies, brands, people that come to mind that they don't have the best reputation, right? But what can businesses do? I mean, is there there sort of something that a way to verify that they are legit and that they aren't, you know, just selling snake oil? Yeah. So I would say that some of the most important things that business owners in the dietary supplements or nutraceutical space, what they can do is make sure that you're aligning yourself with an individual and with an organization like TouchSuite that actually specializes in the processing for high-risk industries and, and is aware of the ever-changing landscape in relation to the FDA and the FTC guidelines not only do we simply process payments for these individuals, but we have to make sure that 
as a business that we are making sure that they stay within all of their compliance guidelines and things like that. There's so many different things that you have to worry about as a nutraceutical business owner compared to other more simplified industries. I mean, it's extremely oversaturated at this point. There's a lot of supply chain issues. The regulatory environment is is kind of a gray area with the inaction of the FDA and, and a lot of other things. So if we can simplify some of the issues that you might come across on, in the Department of Fraud or chargebacks and making sure that you're advertising your products in a compliant way, that's really where the value comes in and working with an individual like myself and an organization that actually understands that specific industry. And, and another really important thing I would say is make sure that you are set up with the proper fraud and chargeback protection tools. That way, if one of these issues arises, you can actually get a hold of somebody on the other line, which that's just a, a service related issue that that tends to happen in the payment processing space in general is actually being able to work with somebody that has the support infrastructure in-house to be able to, to resolve any issues that you might have. If you get, let's say, a $20,000 order for your products, for example, but it might look a little bit fishy on the, on the payment side of that. Of course, you want to accept that order as a business owner, but you want to make sure that you're not going to run into any fraud or any other type of stolen card data issues and things like that. So I, I guess the main takeaway would be to just Make sure that whoever you end up working with in this space actually specializes in it and understands it and is positioned to be able to resolve those issues that you might come across. And the chargeback one is such a major concern because if you get to a certain point of chargebacks and the ratios exceed a certain threshold, not only are you going to have issues with finding a processor, but the card brands themselves may put you on their what you would call, I guess, would be a naughty list, or for MasterCard, the example is the match list. And at that point, you won't be able to take any MasterCard or Visa or whatever that that card issuing brand ends up being. If you end up on that that list, you won't be able to find anybody that will actually allow you to process credit card and other payment channels, especially online. Wow. Okay. Let me ask you this, Drew. When you acquire customers, are they coming to you ahead of time or are they coming to you in panic mode after something has already happened? Nine times out of 10, when my phone rings, it is panic mode. They have okay. had a tremendous amount of funds withheld from their current processor. They've called them over the stretch of two weeks. They can't get anybody on the phone and they're in, in a crisis because they can't process the incoming orders that they have. I mean, you'll be able to to take those orders up front, but as a business owner, if you can't get paid out those funds at the end of the day, it's gonna be detrimental for your operations, your cash flow management and things like that. So nine times out of 10, when people give me a call, they're scrambling because yes, they might've gotten the instant approval up front because a lot of these companies in the space, those other major payment aggregators, they're really individuals that are intended for more of a, a low risk environment and they don't really vet these these business owners up front and actually fully underwrite them until they start to do a certain amount of scale and get on their radar if you will and that that's the most devastating thing is a lot of times once these businesses really start to scale gather some traction that's hard enough to do that they get to a point where maybe they have a couple extra chargebacks that month and one of these other companies 
sees the amount of volume they did that month and they don't like how the ratio looks and they can just shut the lights off without a without a notice. So that that's definitely a lot of people come to me scrambling and kind of why I think both yourself and a lot of people in the industry don't understand because if you get approved up front, you think everything is all good and fine, right? It, so it's kind of a misconception. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what are some examples of maybe some companies with issues that you've helped resolve? Yeah, so I can't get specifically into any companies that I've worked with directly just to maintain our level of level one PCI compliance, of course. And then additionally, keep to keep the, the TouchSuite legal team in my good graces here. I don't want to go uh, too far into any particulars. <laughs> but what I can tell you is some of the the major issues that I help resolve are, are some of the things that I just alluded to. People that uh, have either a tremendous amount of funds actively withheld, they're not able to process uh, the current payments that they have coming in, or simply they've just had some ma- major service reliability issues with chargeback resolution and things like that. Because a lot of the major companies that you go with within their guidelines, you'll actually see that they don't actually protect you in any way from chargeback resolution. It's going to fall directly on the business owner. And then again, as I previously mentioned, it's so important because if you get to a certain degree of chargebacks and things like that, then if you get on the bad graces of the the card brands, you're going to run into a, a ton of other issues besides just dealing with a, with a processor directly. And I'm just thinking about all the different types of nutraceuticals, natural products and things that could be considered high risk. I mean, CBD is obviously one. What about like MLMs? Does that make them more high risk? Yes, absolutely. So that's the thing is you another aspect of it. And I'm really glad that you brought that up is because uh, once you start to get into some of the third party advertising agencies and things like that, if you're using them as a, a vehicle to distribute your product, everything may be up to FTC compliance on your site and you're not making any unsubstantiated claims and everything looks great and clean. However, if you entrust certain affiliates to advertise your products and then they are doing so in a way that is not within those FTC or FDA guidelines, then that's another issue that kind of presents itself. And And again, there's a lot of third-party involvement in nutraceuticals in general, which tends to make it a little bit more complicated from the distribution and the supply chain side of things as well, because not only are you dealing with the the product formulation and the GMPs and all those other things, you're trusting another third party to actually distribute your products in a timely manner. And if it gets to a point where a consumer hasn't received a product and in a certain amount of time, they may dispute that transaction, and that could kind of also uh, bring to light some of the other issues that they might have. Definitely. And then what about businesses that are operating outside of the country? I have to think that that's also going to be an issue, right? Exactly. And traditionally, as as I'm sure you know, that the supplements trends and, and non-pharmaceutical options for you know dealing with different remedies and things like that has been more popular historically internationally. So you get a lot of these companies that do a great deal of international business volume. And and that's another thing that presents some challenges is because it gets even harder to verify who's actually making these transactions, that it's not coming from a, a stolen credit card. And the fact that a lot of these businesses, despite a couple of the major retail players that sell dietary supplements, 
most of these businesses are on e-commerce. And anytime you're in an environment where the card is no longer present, it, it presents a higher level of risk in and of itself because it's much easier to commit fraud and it's much harder to do so when I walk into a retail environment, I present my card, there's a camera showing that I, I purchased the product. It's much harder to, to commit any fraudulent transaction in, in person. So the fact that most people are doing these businesses over the e-commerce channel uh, presents a, a higher level of risk in and of itself. Yeah, I'd have to think so. I think that 90 something percent of ingredients come from China. So I know that's probably something that's top of mind for a lot of sellers out there. Um, exactly. Let's talk about FTC and FDA's involvement and, and their role in all of this. Drew, you and I were talking a little bit on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago when I reported on the FTC, which was collecting information from social media companies. And while you and I both agree that consumer protection is important, you also had a good point to make. What was that? Absolutely. So I agree fullheartedly that it's a great thing to see the FTC stepping in, making sure that no unsubstantiated claims are being made with certain products. And I certainly think it's great to promote transparency. And I, I think you can speak for this as well as working with a lot of the the people in the space now that it, it's transparency and, and being authentic and having a authentic brand story around your product that is really standing out in the market. So I, I do think it's great. The only negative side of that is with putting certain individuals under a microscope, they're going to find more of these problems. And my fear is that it may impose greater restrictions on these reputable brands and companies that have done everything right and make it more difficult to actually get out there and promote products because there's already a lot of challenges that surround advertising on certain channels such as Facebook and and things like that. And I, I guess a quick example would be I was speaking with an individual the other day that actually had I've been put in Facebook advertising jail and had a bunch of issues on on promoting products online just because, yes, they were mostly a nutraceutical and natural product company, but because they had CBD products on their website, they were running into any advertising challenge that you could imagine just because of, they had a CBD affiliated product. So even if, for example, your nutraceutical products company doesn't face direct challenges with specific advertising channels. If you host other products or come out with some new formulation that maybe isn't super well understood or things like that, or just hasn't had a ton of research to support it, it's up to the advertising channels at the end of the day of whether they want to allow you to be able to even promote your product. And I just fear that it's it's going to be really hard for a lot of companies to further stand out in, in what's already become such a digitized and, and saturated market. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all aware of all the hoops that CBD companies have to jump through, but this even adds on a new layer. Um, when it comes to, you know, this regulatory uncertainty, if CBD is, I guess, classified as a dietary supplement or something like that, will that make anything easier? Or do you think that these companies are still going to have a lot of these issues and challenges that they're experiencing now? I certainly think that will make things a lot easier, but I don't know. And, and I'm, I'm optimistic to the fact that we'll get there, but it's already been quite some time since people have been pushing to advocate for CBD to become regulated as a dietary supplement. And 
we haven't seen a tremendous amount of movement on that. And it, it seems like what, from what I see from the regulatory standpoint nowadays is it comes down to no one body really wants to take the, the responsibility of making a decision and things just yeah. kind of keep getting pushed back and pushed back. And, you know, if it's not if it's not one body, it's the other. But then the other body comes out and says, well, we actually don't cover that. So at, at some point, somebody has to assume the responsibility of regulating these products and actually allow business owners to be able to to stay in business because you're just creating so much red tape to cut through to even be in these businesses nowadays that it, it's just presenting a tremendous number of challenges to even stay in the business. And at the end of the day, if some of these really great products that are helping end consumers can can overcome these barriers, then it, it's not only impacting the business owners, but the end users that are relying on these products for, for alternative wellness. Yeah, I think a lot about some of these businesses and, you know, how they've persevered over the years. I, I don't think that I would have stuck it through like them. But then you bring up a good point. There's also... And maybe that's what's driving them is these consumers who are relying on these products at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And and that's really why I kind of do what I do. And just to give you a little bit of a company background. So TouchSuite, we're located in Boca Raton, Florida. We've been in the, the business for about 20 years in the payment space. And we've, we've processed for tens of thousands of individuals and billions of dollars worth of, of volume. So you might wonder okay, what's a guy in in the financial payment space doing specifically around nutraceuticals and natural products? So for me, I grew up in an area in Akron, Ohio, that was absolutely devastated by traditional pharmacological treatments for pain. And just the area I was in, in general, is a very low-income population that didn't have access to a lot of healthcare services. So I, I saw firsthand growing up kind of the, the negative implications of that. So prior to obtaining my master's, I actually got a degree in health sciences from the University of Central Florida. So working in my current role has allowed me to take that passion of alternative wellness and use the financial space that I have to be able to help business owners in the space. Because I know at the end of the day, if I can get them set up with a channel of processing to ensure that they can reliably sell their products and do so in an affordable manner, I'm going to be able to to benefit the end consumer and have continued access to these products. So that that's kind of why I got involved in, in doing what I do. And that's why I love working with individuals specifically within this space. I love that. And, you know, I did do some research on you and I, I did notice that you have a degree in science and also studied business. And I meant to ask you about that because I have to think Probably a lot of people at TouchSuite focused on financial and accounting and, you know, more money focused. But the fact that you have an understanding of science and nutrition, I, that probably really helps the business as well. It does. And, and what it does is my organization, again, we've been around for 20 years and they are very up to date on the FDA, FTC guidelines and things like that. And, and really all of the guidelines associated with the various industries that we process for. But what my unique experience and lens of knowledge allows me to do is be an internal advocate for my clients to our organization to help keep them up to speed on new updates and new products. And, you know, the, a great example is the, the recent ban of NMN with Amazon. And last week, it's actually a really timely example of kind of some of the issues you were talking about with, with Shopify prohibiting the, the sale of those products. So, 
with things like this, of course, as an organization, they may say, okay, should we be doing this? Should we be processing for these things? And being that I, I stay up to date and, and make sure that I keep an eye on any FDA warning letters and things like that, I'm also able to advocate for my clients internally and you know educate my, my organization to what products need to be avoided and, and what things that we should be comfortable in endorsing. So it's a very open conversation that we have, and we never take a adverse action against any of our clients as far as just shutting them down without a notice. It's much more of a conversational format to where we can make sure that we're doing everything we can to keep our clients in business, happy and compliant at the same time. Yeah. I mean, what advice do you have for companies and, and what should they be doing? What, what should they be keeping in mind if they do want to you know, sell online? I think it's so tempting, especially as a startup and having financial restrictions and things like that to just go with one of the major platforms for the sake of convenience. And, you know, a lot of businesses get started that way and that's all good and fine. But what I would recommend is make sure that you are working directly with an individual and with an organization that truly understands your products, what you're doing, and that will actually pick up the phone when you come across any issues. So Yes, it may be great to get an instant approval, but you want to be aligned with an organization that is going to properly vet you up front. And actually, when you call them, pick up the phone, do that, do a little bit of testing, right? Call them a couple times here and there, see what their response rates are and things like that. I, I highly encourage that you test these individuals out before pairing with them. That way, if you find yourself in an adverse situation, uh, you know you can actually depend on them to to resolve something. So I, I think that's the biggest thing is just do the heavy lifting up front and, and make sure that you're aligning yourself with a reliable channel of payments. So that way you don't end up in, in some of the issues and the horror stories that I hear from my clients. And, and I would also have you research your specific website channel, your point of sale software systems, and you know your, your actual process payment processing guidelines to make sure that you are in a good place with them. And if there's any gray area you want to counsel with those individuals or with somebody like myself that, that can give you a little bit of guidance with some of the challenges or uh, a lot of these companies, you'll see that they don't really even have a, a firm stance on, on a lot of products. It's kind of in a gray area. And at, at, at any point in time, you could, you could have the light shut off on you. Wow. So much great information. A lot of stuff to keep in mind. Before I let you go, uh, we talked a lot about FDA, FTC, you know, coming up on the 2023 Farm Bill. Is there anything that you're keeping your eye out for? Anything that we should be keeping in mind? Yeah, so one emerging industry that, and it kind of falls under the umbrella of supplements, is the the functional mushroom industry. That's something that I've been following pretty closely, and and I think may face a lot of the the similar challenges going on with CBD and hemp and and with just nutraceuticals in, in general with a lot of the processing things and things like that. But it seems like we're trending more towards an environment where these products are going to be endorsed more so for their their cognitive benefits and and also just the treatment of certain psychiatric disorders and things like that. And I, I'm certainly personally an advocate for uh, the use of some of these products because if you look into the the research, I mean, it, it's tremendously beneficial from what they've found. So I'm excited to see kind of what regulatory challenges these individuals face and, you know, how the the application of these products is going to be able to benefit individuals with mental health issues going forward. It's something I'm certainly excited for. And, and hopefully I'm 
well involved in in backing a lot of these companies that are getting involved in that space because I I do anticipate they're going to face a lot of the similar regulatory challenges going forward. Yeah, I agree. I'm all for anything that can support mental health, but I do think that they're going to have an uphill battle. Of course, and it's just a uh, it's just a matter of time. But with a lot of these things, it's uh, it's a lot of uncertainty and and somewhat of a, a waiting game. So you know, if I know that I can step in as counsel with any of my clients and just alleviate some of the the many many things that they have to worry about as a business owner in this space, that that's where, really where I'm able to add the most amount of value. Yeah, so much gray area there, but I do appreciate you coming on the NutriCast and shedding some light on that. Drew Brazel, thank you so much for joining me here on the NutriCast. Hey, thank you, Danielle. It's uh, tremendous to be here with you, and I, I greatly appreciate the time. And if anybody has any questions, feel free to, to reach out to me. If you like what you just heard, you can subscribe to the NutriCast wherever you get your podcast. You can also head to NutraIngredients-USA.com for even more Nutra-related content. Thank you for listening. I'm Danielle Masterson. As always, I'll catch you here on the NutriCast next week.